Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everyone. This is Keith Dryan, the Edmonton Journal's legislature columnist. You're about to listen to our newest edition of the Press Gallery interview. We've been getting great feedback so far, but we'd love to hear more. If you're so inclined, go and uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you're so inclined, give us a five-star review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Press Gallery Interview, the Edmonton Journal's midweek edition of our regular politics podcast. My name is Keith Geryan. I'm the legislature columnist for the Edmonton Journal. This is our eighth edition of the Press Gallery Interview. And with us today is Alberta Liberal Party leader David Kahn. Welcome, David. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me here. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, one of the things that I didn't know about you, I just recently learned, maybe maybe it's well known, uh, you are a lawyer from Calgary, but you practice in an area that probably isn't that well uh, that well known, which is Indigenous law. How did you get into that? Yeah, it's a really specialized and fa- fascinating area of the law. I went to Uni- University of Toronto uh, Law School, and they had a really great program, a lot of really good professors that taught in that area, but also the Indigenous uh, Legal Journal, uh, Indi- Indigenous Law Journal. And I was a senior editor for a number of years on that. So I just became fascinated about Indigenous rights law across the world. It's the only uh, legal uh, uh, publication in the whole world that publishes exclusively uh, legal uh, articles in relation to Indigenous rights law. So I just uh, became very interested in it. Wow, okay. And how long have you been doing that? I've been doing it for eight years. Before that, I did corporate commercial litigation, which was another specialty I did at, at law school. So this sort of combines high-end litigation with constitutional issues, and, and it's uh, you know much more uh, 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 faster paced than uh, corporate commercial law, which is pretty uh, pretty pretty well settled. Let's get into some of the uh, the big issues going on at the legislature right now. Obviously, the past couple of weeks, uh, especially, have been dominated by the oil price dilemma or the oil price crisis in Alberta. The premier came out uh, on Sunday and said that uh, there will be mandatory production cuts. Uh, Alberta Party and the UCP have both been calling for that as well. Uh, where does the uh, Liberal Party stand on that? We feel it's a, it's a really big issue to get a better price for our product, and really concerning that we're we really seem to be giving it away right now with the with the the oil gluts and, and the problems with with transportation. So we want to support the Alberta government in its efforts. We are concerned about the unintended consequences of what that could be with oil oil workers and and possible layoffs. So we've actually called today for the Alberta government to join us in demanding the federal government look into reinstituting those in enhanced EI benefits they brought in in 2016 to uh, to help with uh, some of the layoffs because I think it may get worse before it gets better. It's certainly possible. Uh, at what point do you think that the uh, the premier needs to kind of reevaluate this and uh, decide that uh, you know whether it's working or not? 
Yeah, well, we'll see. It, you know, it's going to be difficult to to isolate uh, the, the predicted the, the prediction of four dollars of increase of a, a reduction in that uh, oil price differential from other f- uh, factors like OPEC's meeting on December sixth, Russia maybe cutting production. So it's difficult. We'll have to see. It's difficult to see what those uh, those pr- production cuts how they affect the market vis a vis these much larger market forces that we're dealing with. But we should. Uh, I'm happy to see that we're uh, uh, going to be looking at at it every month. The uh, one of the, one of the issues connected to this obviously is the the NDP, the UCP, the Alberta Party. They've all been hammering Justin Trudeau. They are blaming for him. Uh, they're blaming him for this uh, for perceived inaction on uh, and getting the, uh, the the price up and, and getting pipelines built, uh, investing in rail, for example, to move move some of the crude. Uh, what is the Alberta Liberal Party's connection to Justin Trudeau? How what is your relationship like? We're a completely independent party. Uh, we have a good relationship. We have a lot of uh, mem- memberships that the same. We, you know, at, at a fundamental level, we share, share our values, but I am focused on what's re- best for Alberta and take no uh, marching orders from uh, the prime minister. We're a completely separate party. Now, and and in terms of the, the failure of the federal government on the pipeline issue, I want to point out that that's a failure of successive federal governments uh, under, under Harper and the Conservatives for many years, and then uh, re- more recently under the Trudeau Liberals. But it's successive federal governments that have failed to, to uh, follow the law and Indigenous rights issues and to uh, make sure that those consultations and accommodations are done properly so that pipelines can be built responsibly and follow the law. So there, there's a, a, a lot of blame to go around, but it's, but it should, but it's, several, it's successive federal governments that have failed in this regard. One of the uh, one of the things that's notable about the Alberta Liberal Party, whether to your benefit or detriment, I'll let other people decide, is that you don't just focus on the big issues of the day. You also try to bring in some issues that maybe don't get into the news cycle a lot, don't get into the legislature cycle a lot. One of those uh, has to do with ambulances. All right, and the crisis we have with ambulances right now, as you've defined it, a crisis. Uh, go through that a little bit. What what do you what's the problem there that you're seeing? Yeah, well, so so the the bigger issue is that we spend more than half our budget on on healthcare. So we've got to look at better ways of spending money, not wasting money, making sure the money is spent in the best way possible. And one area that we've really focused on is what we're calling the EMS crisis because it really is a, a red alerts crisis. So red alerts are when uh, there's not enough ambulance crews to respond to the number of nine one one calls coming in. So imagine you call nine one one, there's no crew to respond. That's because nine one one crews bring their patients into the hospitals and the the ERs can't take them from the EMS crews in a timely fashion. So they're waiting for an hour, sometimes two in the hallways, all these ambulance crews with their patients. And that's up to uh, 630,000 hours, extra hours of these crews just waiting around in hallways, which means they're not out on the road attending those 911 calls. So we not only uh, took a lead isolating this issue, we had a hotline for for crews and and Albertans to call in with their with the problems they've experienced and the solutions that they see, we compiled all, compiled all of that. Had a town hall, and we came up with some real concrete solutions. And we pushed the government to implement them. And we're happy to say that they have implemented at least one of them, which is putting paramedics crews without the ambulance, but just dedicated paramedics crews into the ERs to take those patients off the hands of the ambulance crews, so that they can get back out on the road and get back on those to those nine one calls. So we reduced because we were having 35 red alerts per month in this province. Uh, and, and that's just, that, that's really unacceptable. 
The latest numbers I saw from Alberta Health Services, I think, as you said, uh, was about an average uh, time of about an hour that uh, EMS crews were waiting in the hospital before they could pass their patients on to others. Uh, the standard in the United Kingdom, I believe, is 15 minutes. Exactly. Uh, so uh, a significant amount of time there. Uh, and in, certainly in some of the big city hospitals, th those times can get even worse. It's a difficult problem to solve, though, right, because it, it relates to overcrowding generally in hospitals. How would the Liberal Party uh, propose to solve that issue? Well, yeah, so that, that was a short-term solution. There's medium-term and long-term solutions. Medium-term, there's uh, better software and procedures in ERs so that they're not checking up on patients two or three times, taking that data two or three times. As I understand it, they often have to re-input uh, re re that data several times. It's about getting them in for diagnostic tests faster. But but you're absolutely right. The longer-term issue is overcrowding in hospitals. So so uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the negative term for that is bed blockers. We don't like to use that term, but that's sort of the, the term that is sometimes used. People that should be out in the community, they should be back in their home or in long-term care. So opening up more long-term care beds and especially focusing on home care, that's definitely where we're not focusing on enough is, is ensuring that people can stay in their homes for as long as possible. So having uh, nurse practitioners that can travel in the community have, uh, there's actually a, a, pro, a, pro, a program called uh, Community Paramedics where they go in and treat patients in their home, but don't necessarily transport them to the ER. So we really have to focus in the long term on reducing the demand on our emergency rooms. The uh, one of the other issues uh, in the area of healthcare that uh, you guys have brought a lot of attention to or tried to anyway is the opioid crisis in Alberta. Uh, we haven't seen the uh, quarter three report from the province just yet, but as of August twelfth, I think we had seen uh, at that time four hundred twenty-five deaths due to fentanyl, one hundred twenty-nine due to carfentanil, um, which is double what we had seen at that point last year. Uh, the blood tribe in particular has been getting a lot of attention for a lot of uh, overdoses and, and a particular problem with carfentanil recently. Uh, you've called for uh, an interesting approach to this to, to try and deal with it, the decriminalization, perhaps even legalization of, of hard drugs beyond marijuana. Uh, t take us through that. What's, uh, how do you think that's going to help? Well, I want to be clear that it's we're not calling for, for legalization of all drugs. We're calling for de decriminalization of possession of small amounts of all, of all drugs because we don't want to give a free pass to the large criminal organizations but we feel that there's been too much resources spent on on uh, on enforcement on incarceration and not enough on treating it as the health issue it really is and and putting all that money into treatment programs so if we were to decriminalize it like they have in other jurisdictions like in Portugal where they've seen a dramatic drop in opioid deaths versus the rest of Europe and the rest of the western world so we want to be focused on harm reduction which is just one pillar we also want enforcement more treatment centers uh, but but the, we feel that the the, the real pro root of the problem is the criminalization of the of drugs amongst the average population and putting them into in, in, in into the uh, justice system clogging up the justice system clogging up uh, prisons and making the the the, the uh, uh, situation worse for those individuals so transferring uh, a, a lot of those resources from incarceration and justice to treatment and and rehabilitation I think is really important it's a hard argument to make at times though because you know to try and get people to see addiction as, a, as an illness uh, and drugs as an illness as opposed to a crime uh, in, in in that context, uh, what do you? What's the reaction you get from people when you when you 
unveil this policy that you'd like to see uh, decriminalization of, of, you know, of drugs that we just haven't seen in North America? Well, more and more uh, uh, Albertans are, and Canadians are recognizing that this touches all of us. It's our family members that are dying. Two Albertans a day are dying from opioid overdoses. So especially amongst younger people, but generally amongst the wider population, I'm finding a lot more people receptive to better ways of managing this crisis and better ways as a, a society of, of, of dealing with, with the health effects of addiction and, and, and mental health issues, especially. So I think especially younger people are much more open to uh, a, a different way of doing this. We've had uh, prosecuted this war on drugs for 100 years now, and we are in in many ways, we're just losing ground in this. And the fentanyl crisis is a prime example of that. There's got to be a better way of doing things because we've tried this for a long time and it's not working. I want to switch over, uh, I guess, again to energy. Uh, another one of the issues that uh, you've been drawing or drawing some attention to is uh, the cleanup costs for our oil and gas sector. Uh, there was uh, a, uh, I guess, some speaking notes from the Alberta Energy Regulator that came out a few weeks ago, suggesting that the cleanup costs might be as high as two hundred and sixty billion dollars, which is well above, I think, the fifty-eight billion dollar figure that we've uh, certainly heard up to this point. Uh, the AER has apologized for that figure, called it a worst case scenario. Scenario. Uh, you're not so sure, though. You're 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 suggesting that maybe the cleanup costs we've been we've been told are not accurate. Uh, take us through that. Well, yeah. So the AER that, that and that was the vice president of closures and liabilities. So you know, really, the government's top expert on this issue had a sli- slideshow earlier in the year that 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 came out in uh, in the public that had that 260 billion dollar number. And he he said in his slideshow it actually could be worse because of issues in the industry with proper reporting uh, and, and with well transfer and things. So we're not even sure that that's not uh, the tip of the iceberg, but we're really concerned about about these liabilities. And it's not just future generations and taxpayers and our public budget that's at risk. It's a viable oil and gas industry. We saw recently uh, a company that shut down with Chinese investors. They they went offshore. Company went bankrupt. Four thousand more wells into the Orphan Well Association to be dealt with, and that's industry run. So that's the other uh, we would say more uh, 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 responsible producers that have to cover those costs. So it's going to hurt our oil and gas industry writ large if we don't address this issue. So and and we called for an emergency debate of this in the legislature. The NDP and the UCP said it wasn't important or it wasn't urgent, I think is the word, but we think it really is urgent. And we're, we're happy that we've pushed the energy minister into at least acknowledging that there's a problem that needs to be addressed. And frankly, uh, uh, just simply saying it, it's only $60 billion, well, that when they've only uh, collected less than $2 billion is, is, is no excuse. Yeah, I think it's one point six billion in, in the liability we've collected at this point. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting issue. The uh, I don't know the, the correct figure either. I don't know if Albertans know the correct figure at this point. Um, the NDP does say, however, though, that they have tightened some of the loopholes that approvals that are now done are. Um, you know, are done specifically with uh, making sure that the costs are, can be covered for the cleanup. Uh, what other actions do you think need to be taken here to sort of tighten up and, and make sure that some of those uh, some of those cleanup costs are in fact going to be going to be paid? Yeah, well, the, yeah. So, so the energy minister uh, Margaret McQuaig Boyd did come out and say that they were going to look at something. They couldn't give any timelines. Frankly, there was no specifics at all. We've called for very specific. Uh, we've suggested there's specific solutions that can be made that are tried and tr- tested in other jurisdictions, including oil producing jurisdictions. So, Texas, California are some major states that require a cleanup bond or an insurance bond that companies have to purchase in, in advance of. 
of uh, of, of, uh, start, of drilling a well or creating an oil sands mine that would ensure that there is those resources to to uh, to cover that cleanup later. Other things like properly regulating the transfer of of uh, well assets from uh, from one company to another to make sure that the the company buying those assets is is financially viable enough to cover the cost of those cleanups. So not looking f deeper into the balance sheets to make sure that that uh, that the, the, those companies have that uh, have that commitment and capacity to deal with those uh, those wells. Well, let's turn to the uh, the spring in the upcoming election. We assume it's going to be the spring. Don't know for sure. Um, the Alberta Party, sorry, the Alberta Liberal Party uh, is uh, the last poll I saw was sitting at about eight percent in the polls, uh, which is the same as the Alberta Party. Strangely enough, uh, you have one MLA, David Swan, uh, who is retiring. Um, you know, most most people looking at this would say the Alberta Liberals are are destined for annihilation in the next election. What's uh, how are you gonna how are you gonna stop that? I w I wouldn't agree. the The last election we had an interim leader in place uh, and. That's far different from the situation we have now. We, uh, uh, I, I've been the new leader for a year and a half, and bringing new in energy to the party. More young people being being involved, uh, more more energy. Uh, so we're working hard to be ready for that next election, and we're in the, in the game to win it. We're going to run eighty seven candidates, which we weren't able to do last time. So you know, par uh, parties' fortunes uh, go up and down. Things are, things can be a little cyclical, but we're we're working hard to be ready for that election. And I I, I frankly seen. Polls that are a little better than that, but uh, polls are polls. We know that they're they're just a snapshot on time. They're they're uh, it's very difficult to use them to predict anything. The there have been suggestions out there that uh, the Liberals and the Alberta Party um, their interests are not that different. That maybe we should be looking at a merger. That that would actually give some clout to people in the progressive middle uh, in Alberta right now. Have there been discussions about a merger between the Liberals and the Alberta Party? Where where does that stand right now? Well, the the Alberta Party, in our view, has been drifting to the right. There's been a lot of, uh, or some uh, former PCs that have come over to that party, and you can see that in some of the policies that their uh, policy uh, stands they're taking. We feel that our that we have a very uh, distinct set of principles and values that people trust us on a lot of issues. The Alberta Party has is a new party. They've they've uh, uh, moved around and reinvented themselves to the such a degree that I, I don't think Albertans really know exactly what they stand for. Albertans want a strong liberal alternative. They want it across the province. They want that choice, and that's what we're focused on. Uh, Albertans also don't want uh, these backroom deals. Uh, they, they they don't appreciate that. They want uh, strong uh, values and policies, and they want to ha have that choice on the ballot. Ba backroom deals and, and mergers, floor crossings, uh, these things are are anti democratic fundamentally, and, and they, Albertans really don't appreciate that. I don't believe. How distinctive are you going to be with your your policy platform? You've talked about things in the past about the, the elimination of the small business tax. You've talked about more free votes. You've talked about proportional representation, which is an idea that the Alberta Party membership has rejected to this point. How distinctive are you, are you going to be with your platform and maybe go ahead with some of those ideas as part of the election? Yeah, well, I ran on, on a lot of uh, very forward-thinking policies in my leadership race that I'm committed to. You touched on a few of them. Uh, proportional representation is very dear to my heart because I think diversity in the legislature is really important and allowing people to vote for what they want, not what they might strategically be forced to vote. We've had a long problem with that in the past. So proportional representation is, is really important. The issue of, of dental fees, we need to get dental fees more affordable. 
affordable. Uh, I've talked about small business cuts temporarily to to uh, encourage small businesses to to grow and and thrive. Um, and we'll be putting together a very forward thinking platform for this uh, election. We're working on it right now, and I encourage people to reach out with their feedback and ideas. But I'm I'm really excited about what we're developing. Okay, well we will wrap it up there. David Kahn, leader of the Alberta Liberal Party. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks very much, Keith. That was David Kahn, leader of the Alberta Liberal Party. Uh, This is the Press Gallery interview. Please join us again next week for another exciting guest.